Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome to the LaxRecords.com podcast, episode 28. This week is all about the rankings. Now usually some weeks I talk about the rankings and what surprised me and what teams made moves and things like that, but for the last probably month I've been trying to think through a way of discussing the rankings in kind of almost an abstract way. I, I thought about having someone who actually does their national rankings onto the podcast, but my concern with that was is that I, after having done rankings, you become a little bit close to them, you have your ideas, and I didn't want to challenge anybody on their thoughts during the season because it's a little bit, you, it, you, can, you can get a little bit defensive. So what I decided I thought I wanted to do was just have someone on to kind of talk about rankings philosophy in general. And uh, the person I decided to have is Sheldon Sheeler. He's the national soccer editor for Top Drawer Soccer. He was actually, I've known him for over 12 years. He was my professor at Mount St. Mary's, where he was also the uh, the school ad- the advisor for the school newspaper um, when I was a sports editor. And he actually gave me my first, what I call, real job after I'd gotten out of college and worked at a uh, weekly newspaper for about a year, year and a half. And then he's actually the one that kind of showed me how the to impart his philosophy on rankings first when we were doing Maryland high school football rankings and then later on when I was compiling national rankings for ESPN and student sports. So he learned his lessons from um, someone when he started out and then he imparted them on to me. So I thought it would be good to kind of have him on and just kind of talk about how to do these national rankings and how they kind of come through and the overall overarching philosophy of how to put these together. So in here, you're going to hear him talk a little bit about some soccer teams and things like that because he gives some real-world examples of how he uh, deals with certain, uh, call them inconsistencies with uh, with teams in their schedules when, you know, Team A beats Team B, but Team C beat Team A and loses the, loses the B kind of thing. You know, that kind of that kind of circular logic that you can kind of get into a twist, especially this time of year when you have conference play. So I kind of give him a, a few examples from the lacrosse world, and he is actually very familiar with some of the, the quandaries I've been in over the years because he was always the one that I went to and kind of talked about some some things um we, we at the end of the podcast you'll hear me talk about the Loyola from 2013 when Boys Latin had you know probably the the best season of any team but then ended up losing their conference championship which kind of made it impossible f- to rank them as the overall number one team so you hear a little bit of, you'll definitely hear some lacrosse stuff but this week's podcast is kind of more about philosophy in a way so uh sit back and enjoy and if you have any questions or you got some concerns or you just you know feel like someone was wrong, make sure to send me a tweet on Lax, uh, at Lax Records. You can find us on Instagram at Lax Records, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lax Records. And of course, you can find us at laxrecords.com. So hopefully everybody enjoys this week's podcast. All right, dude. Thanks for uh, being on the, the podcast this week. And uh, I, I think this will be fun because, uh, you know, it's not like we haven't sat around and talked rankings and philosophy before. So It'll be kind of, you know, just like old times and like 15 or 30 conversations we've had in the past anyway. So 15 or 30, 15 yeah. or 30 a month we used to have. Yeah, I know. Right. You know, just about every week, especially during this time of year, because, uh, you know, I know probably for the same for you this time of year, whenever I was doing the ESPN and the student sports fab 50s, it was. And man, at this time you're just kind of waiting for someone to finally win a championship because everybody's beat everybody else. It's like I just need to be able to pick one. <laughs> yeah. 
tired of trying to figure, you know, look at them all and hash out and you get all this round robin tournament kind of thing where, you know, this team beat that team, but that team beat this team. So it's a, it's a, it's a fun kind of year, but a little bit, you know, make you lose some hair too. Uh, yeah, definitely a stressful, definitely a stressful time, especially if you, you know, if you're looking at the rankings for, from my standpoint, top five and you, and you're not sure you've got them in the right order. Yeah. And then all of a sudden as the results, uh, start to play out, but I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later here. Yeah. Uh, I, I got a couple, I got actually a, a real life scenario in your, your backyard that I'm curious about, but you know, kind of before we kind of delve into the, the minutia of it all, why don't you just kind of overlay what, what is your basic philosophy of, you know, doing national rankings? Well, I mean, at the end of the year, and I, I was actually taught this by a pretty uh, astute individual who had set up some state rankings that ultimately led to national rankings in the world of football. Um, he said, really, at the end of the year, the team you want to be number one is the team that you can really justify it. And that could, you know, I know that's sort of um, really open-ended, mm-hmm. but when you kind of delve into it, you're looking for, and it almost doesn't matter what sport, to be honest. That's why I thought this was pretty valuable information. You're looking for a, that team that has that top-tier talent, um, first and foremost. You're looking for that team that then um, got some out-of-state play to prove that they were bigger than just their backyard. And then, obviously, they need to you know, held up their own end, whether that means going undefeated or not. Um, it kind of depends on the sport. But you're looking for that team that you felt had played such a highly competitive schedule that if they were to go undefeated, that's the team you could just look back and say, yeah, they deserve number one because of the quality of, 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 of player they have on the field, the competition they played, and the season that they turned in. And I think, you know, I strive to really make my rankings in the soccer world, um, you know, reflect that uh, philosophy. And that plays out during the course of the year. Um, just because I'm really trying to set up the top five or top 10 in such a way that one by one as those teams lose or tie or play their way out, everyone logically moves up a spot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just recently we had our soccer team, um, Wando High School in South Carolina. You know, they went 26-0. and 0. Half of their starting lineup has already committed to Division I um, schools for soccer which in my sports, uh, a pretty significant number. Yeah. And uh, seven of their nine seniors are committed to colleges. Um, they clearly have the quality. They played one of the top programs in Georgia and beat them 5 nothing. so they went out of state. They even played a team from um, Puerto Rico. So they, they had game they had wins out of state. They went perfect, and they've got a ton of talent going to college. To me, signed, sealed, and delivered. Easy call for number one. Yeah. So is it always the undefeated team is going to end up as the number one? Have you ever had a – because, you know, I, I you know I think college football most of the time, it's like that that one loss. It's like, oh, well, there goes your national title hopes kind of thing. Well, at least, you know, before this playoff system was in place. It's like you lost that one game in your, your season. Yeah. And, I mean, even across, like, I think more times than not, I did have an undefeated team win it all. But that, again, is, is – you know, there's – I think there was that occasion, I think, and you'll remember when – uh uh, I think it was Haverford School when we went up to that NRAC uh, tournament yeah. here at Cabrini yeah. College, 
and they were on the verge of losing to, to Malvern Prep. Um, and I think it was, you know, what the final seconds when they actually pulled it out. Cause I know I, I remember sweating a lot during the final, four, yeah. final quarter of that game. Cause I was sitting yeah. there like, you know, oh crap, you know, Haverford school was beaten Malvern prep two times already this year. It, you know, if they lose and it ends up being the last loss of the year, like, does that cost them a national title? Because it's like, okay, they lost one game, but they still beat Malvern two out of three times. And, I, you know, I think I'd come to the decision. I'm like, I have to leave them number one even with a loss. But it was like, for me, that was a complicated process because it's like, you know, when you lose, you kind of, during the season when a team lose, I generally, you know, penalize them a little bit. You know, they get bumped right. down, maybe not far depending on who they lose to. But, you know, that was an occasion where I was looking at the, the potential of a team with that had just lost staying number one. Do you ever run in those situations where it's like, you know, you, you have teams with losses that end up finishing as your number one team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In the world of soccer, um, it's much it, it's very similar to um, to lacrosse in, in many respects in terms of, you know, some of the, the truly higher quality teams play in real high quality leagues. So they're just constantly playing each other and therefore losses are inherent. It's not like, you know, a lesser competitive state um, where, you know, if that team takes a loss in state, you kind of think, well, you know, I'm not sure how strong they are. Um, but, yeah, we, we, I have the added complication that lacrosse doesn't. What to do in the event of a tie? Yeah. Um, the, and, and this actually occurred, oh, God, I'm going to say this is, may have been the first or second, Probably the second year or so that I was doing the doing the Fab 50 rankings, and you have to remember, <clears throat> I started this in 1999. So you know, I'm coming up, <laughs> getting close to 20 years of doing national rankings for high school soccer, and high school soccer has three seasons, depending on where you know where you are in the country. There's always high school soccer. So I have a fall ranking, a winter ranking, and a spring ranking. So, because of those combinations, I don't always have an undefeated national number one. Um, you know, the, the, the school year is divided into thirds, basically, in terms of the number of schools that I have to deal with. And um, But real early when we were doing this, I want to say it was 2000 or 2001, we had a team called McIntosh High School uh, out of Peachtree City, um, really good girls soccer program Georgia. in the early 2000s. And uh, this what's that? Clarify that's out of Georgia because you know they're they're a team that yeah. state rankings as well for us. Yeah, yeah, uh, Petrie City, uh, Georgia. Yeah. <clears throat> um, they they were they spent most of the year at number one, and Georgia at that time, when teams played for state titles, if they were tied after regulation, they did two overtime periods, but then if they were still tied. They didn't resolve that tie. They just were declared co-champions. And we had a situation where McIntosh was number one. Uh, but, you know, my number one, number two, probably pretty interchangeable in, in, in a, lot of the, a lot of respects based on talent and who they played and who they beat and all of that from different states. There was no real common opponent. Right. And McIntosh tied their state final. And I remember talking to the coach about it. He's like, yeah, but we didn't lose. I said, yes, but I think the important part is here, you didn't win. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and a lot of the rankings, um, and for better or for worse, um, that, that final game is so important. 
You know, um, back to whether teams have lost and been number one. Yes, but they haven't lost their final game. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just just this past year, we had a team that had three losses going into a state final. Well, in order to get to the state final, the three teams they lost to, they actually beat the second time around in the playoffs. So that kind of cleaned the slate, if you will. Right. And that sort of, you know, those are the things I'm looking for, is that team team that's, um, you know, on the rise. They've made amends for their their defeats, and they have all of the other pieces to this puzzle. And I've actually had two lost teams finish Number one, Tampa Jesuit did it in, uh, in winter soccer way back when, but uh, th- th- this was probably early 2000s. But at that time, you know, Tampa Jesuit, you know, they're playing 30 some games a year, so you're going to, you know, it, it's not practical for a team of that caliber who plays the quality schedule and the out-of-state opponents to go undefeated when they're playing 34 games. Right. You know. So you just kind of take a look. Did they clean up the two losses? Were the two losses, you know, things that they were able to, you know, show that were more flukish? And um, certainly in their case, they did by winning two major, major, major um, invitationals that year. Yeah. Right. So. Um, so, you know, you, we've talked about the number one teams, but what about those, you know, anyone outside the number one? Because I'm sure there's situations like, I, you know, I know we've talked many, many times, you know, like the MIAA. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to guess it's, it, you know, at times during the season, it becomes as much of a headache for you as it does for me where, you know, boys Latin will beat McDonough and then, um, McDonough will, uh, beat, you know, St. Paul's and then St. Paul's will beat boys Latin kind of thing. Like that yeah. combination where you're like, all right, well, which, which one of those three might be the better team? Cause they all beat each other. Like, how do you end up resolving? And I can actually give you a, a you know. A actual current situation because I'm looking at some of the other um, some of the national polls out there and almost everybody has McDonough higher than boys Latin mm-hmm. um, McDonough, McDonough won the the championship last year came in as like a top five player. they they lost the Culver Academy um, earlier this year and then they lost to Calvert Hall Calvert Hall went in um, just to kind of give you all the background Calvert Hall went into the playoffs which started yesterday as the undefeated regular season team, um, undefeated in conference. Uh, and McDonough had lost to them. So that kind of puts Calvert Hall ahead of McDonough. Well, then Boys Latin beat McDonough 10-9 to 9 in overtime. Yeah. Everybody has McDonough ranked ahead of Boys Latin at this point. But just to complicate the thing is why Calvert Hall also beat Boys Latin 11-10 um, to 10 in overtime. So they kind of sh- both share that, that common loss. Well, then after that double overtime loss, Boys Latin lost six to five to Gilman. Um, so you know how the MIA plays. I assume it's, oh, yeah. it's, Tuesday, it's Tuesday they lost to Coward Hall, and then Friday they lost to to Gilman um, to kind of uh, as the next to last game of the regular season. So that has pushed everybody to put McDonough ahead, which you know is kind of the rational rationale I can think. Of. I'm like, all right, you know, Boys Latin lost to Gilman, but I'm looking at them like when these teams are so close to each other. I'm almost thinking it's like shouldn't that head-to-head count more if you got them? You know, if you got one team twelve and one team fourteen, do you go with the head-to-head because no one has Gilman ranked? Yeah, wow, that was a uh, quite a handful, and I don't have all of the the results in front of me to 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 make that help you make that assessment. But the things I'm looking for is are two things: one in that in that particular combination, um, 
Sometimes I may defer to the league standings to show which one has been most consistent over the whole course because that, in essence, is your issue here. You know, I mean, the MIAA poses the same soccer problem for me that it does boys uh, lacrosse problem for you. Um, you know, Curly, Calvert Hall, um, you know, St. Joe, Loyola, they'll mix it up on the soccer field just like that. And they all end up with three or four losses, but that doesn't mean any of them are bad teams. Um, so, you know, depending on where I'm at in the season, um, I do one or two, one or two things because usually they, they do line up. The most common, the, the most recent series of results are the ones I'll, I'll work with. Um, you know, just in the sense of, well, if this, if this result happened a month ago compared to last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking at most recent results. Now, in this particular case, you're, you know, you're sharing stuff that all happened within the past week. So it kind of negates this part of my, my argument a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm often, I'm, I'm, I'm basically looking, you know, the most recent combination that's most justifiable. And then if I need to, I, I just defer to the, sta- the league standings. Because I think at the end of the day, what people want out of rankings is justification. Right. Um, you know, is team A number 12 in the country and team B number 18? Uh, you know, that might, uh, that's real hard to, to really nail that down. But if you have, you know, the team that's in first place in the league ranked in front of the team that's in second place in the league, then you've got some, sta- you know, some ground to say, well, this is why the order is what it is. Yeah. And then you step into the out of league games to, de- to to decide where they are in the bigger picture in the in the scheme of things nationally. Yeah. Um, but you kind of have to take care of that home front first to make sure your 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 local state ranking order um, is cleaned up. But yeah, in in that particular case where you know A beats B, B beats C, C beats A, and then you throw a D and an E in there, you know, <laughs> which which is often the case in lacrosse. Um, it really complicates matters. So I, I would be looking now to me, the one thing that changes is once again, I go back to that last game of the season. That one to me is really where I would put a lot of emphasis. Um, if, if, you know, that sequence played out and, and, you know, one of those teams is out in the semifinals and the other teams out in the final, or, you know, whatever the combination is, quarterfinals, whatever, um, you know, I'm, I'm leaning on that result because I think it's very hard to say. It's, it would be very hard to tell a team that won the title to say, no, you don't deserve a higher ranking because your season wasn't as good. But yet, you know, there they are holding a trophy, which is kind of what the, you know, championships, be it state, be it league, whatever, are set up to do. Yeah. And uh, it's sort of a, the one guy I used to do some soccer rankings with. He used to call it the hardware, the hardware rule. You know, the team care, the team holding the hardware has got the strongest argument. Yeah. And I know um, just to kind of let you know for the current situation, boys Latin did earn the number two seed in the playoffs. McDonough was, I believe, the number three and they had to play the quarterfinal game, which they took care of pretty handily last night. But that was why I brought up that example, because I was like, boys Latin actually had the second second seed yet they're still ranked behind mcdonough now it all becomes moot on tuesday as the two teams play so yeah 
They play. Yeah, if you got a two-three matchup, but and and I'll tell you that, that that's another thing I haven't really addressed in rankings, and I'll share a real-life scenario from this past spring. Is is um, not only ranking teams where you where where you believe they have been um, where they deserve in the time at the current, but also being forward-thinking to see what's ahead of them mm-hmm. to to really plan the rankings in such a way. And I have a, this past year, we had that situation similar in, in Georgia again, like, like I keep going back to Georgia for my examples here, um, that uh, St. Pius defeated Westminster schools in girls' soccer. That was Westminster's only loss. But later in the season, um, Marist defeated St. Pius. And about a week later, Westminster beat Marist pretty handily. So now I've got Westminster and St. Pius both with one loss. And the Westminster coach is making an argument for Westminster because, hey, we beat Marist, which beat, beat St. Pius recently. And I'm like, yes, but you're not seeing the bigger picture here. First off, St. Pius is going to have to play Marist again in the playoffs. And you guys at Westminster have no chance of ever correcting that loss to St. Pius. And what ended up happening, St. Pius won the rematch with Marist. Both of those teams ended up with one loss, and I felt very justified leaving St. Pius in front of Westminster because that was the head-to-head. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and, and, and I could have been reactionary and thrown Westminster in front of St. Pius, and then I probably would have been in a quandary once the season ended, once St. Pius had actually avenged that defeat. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not only important to rank the results, it's also important to kind of rank the schedule and the objective er, and, and the hurdles that remain ahead, especially in, in, in your power states. Because, you know, there are some states where the state champion is sometimes determined literally before the school year. Yeah. But there's other states where some teams really need to do some work. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of try to let that play out on the field as much as possible before, you know, turning it over to a team that may not have had quite the hurdles to clear. Yeah. And I think, and I'm sure you've gotten those emails the same as I have, you know, I I think we tend to look ahead. Like, you know, when I I know whenever I was doing my preseason stuff, like I looked at the entire schedule as a whole to kind of judge, like, all right, you know, if this team were to win out, where would I think they would finish kind of thing? Like, I don't look at, you know, one, I don't look at like, Oh, you know, if they lose or if they won this game, this particular game. So I try to look at it the entire season, but then, you know, you'll, you know, I'm sure, you know, I know you've gotten the emails, be like, hey, we beat this school, we should be ahead of them. And then you realize, like, yeah, well, you beat them, but then you lost, like, these three other teams. Like, people tend yeah. to, you know, put the most weight on that one win, the most recent win, and they kind of almost forget about those losses. Or, you know, it's just like, you know, it, it, like you said, like, they don't look, they're not, no one's looking ahead. Like, and whereas I think, you know, we have to, to look ahead to what's happening down the road to make sure. And like, cause it's, it's too easy to be reactionary. Cause if, if at some point it's, it's really hard to back teams out of a high spot. Like, yeah, know, exactly. And, and, and most, right. I was going to say the most, the most common, um, you know, question I get is, but we just beat this team. And there's one or two ways to read that. Number one is the team that they beat just simply may not be as good as we had anticipated them being. Yeah. So therefore that result that on paper looked really good, you know, in March by May, um, 
yeah, that team ended up just being a 500 team. They really weren't that good. So it's not really that quality result. Right. Um, and especially in soccer, I'm pretty well convinced that there's a lot of parents who don't believe they've ever lost a game. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, you know, we outshot them, we outpossessed them, we outdid this, we outdid that, we played better, the official blew it. I mean, you know, so I get the whole range of excuses that in an, in an attempt to minimize defeats while putting a <laughs> spotlight on maybe the one quality win a team has. And, and, you know, those are for me pretty easily to deflect because, you know, I, you know, I had an email like that from Oklahoma not too, too, too long ago. I just pointed out to the guy like, well, you know, you guys don't lose to this team, this team and that team, then you, you're nationally ranked, but you know, you're not, neither is the team you just beat. So, <laughs> yeah. and story, yeah. you know, and I think that's another, you know, those, those early, those week one, week two, week three wins that look huge at the time, whenever the team that you beat ends up, you know, at six and seven, it doesn't yep. like a huge win anymore. It's like, all right, you know, at the time, you know, you might've beat a defending champ, but you know, when they finish at 500, it's not quite as impressive. So you don't get to ride those coattails of, beating the previous champ at that point in the year. So, you know, I've had to slide teams down because, you know, I, you know, kind of toward probably about this time in the season, I try to usually take a hard step back and look at teams like, all right, you know, I gave team credit for win this win, you know, in week five of the year. But now I look at it and I'm like, all right, it's not, it's not the win that I thought it was like that team. the, The team that they beat was not the team that I thought they were going to be. So, you know, right. like, you know, this is the time of year when I start to, and generally not in the top five, but, you know, probably, you know, from five to 25 or 50, whatever you're ranking, it tends to be the time where I'm like, you know, I might see some adjustments in my rankings at this point in the year just to try and position teams for where I think they should kind of finish out. Um, you know, because I, 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 yeah. I've heard from people from, you know, mostly Florida and Texas because, you know, those are generally the teams that, for me, always got in really late in the year because, you know, I might think, you know, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas out of Florida, like I truly think they're probably a top 25 team this year, but nobody has them ranked. But I think part of that's because this time of year, seeing a lot of the Massachusetts, New York schools ranked because people know that those teams are going to lose out and get shuffled down through the playoffs. So I think a team like St. Thomas Aquinas ends up coming in late in the year because no one wants to see them ranked in the top 10 because no one probably thinks they're a top 10 national team. So it's like if you put them in now and then all these New York teams lose, like, well, you can't really, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas isn't going to lose at this point in the year. So you can't really bump them down. So all you can do is leapfrog them. And I never like to leapfrog. So it's like, you know, I like to, you know, if the team is 14 and the team ahead of them loses, well, then they'll move up to, they'll move up to 13 because yeah. not to. Yeah. Out. Yeah, I get I get um, a lot of questions with that. The, the last statement you made came uh, two things came to mind for me. Um, number number one uh, to backtrack for a second, the first two weeks of the high school soccer season is very chaotic. Um, not only because it's full of the non-league games, just like lacrosse, but there's a lot of this self-discovery of teams that happens in my sport because of the nature of the club and um, high school dynamic. So there could very easily be a team who, on paper, defending state champions, seven returning starters, three guys committed Division One, like looks like a superstar team. 
But then at the last second, the kids call the coach and decide, hey, we're not going to play high school. We're going to just play club this year. Mm-hmm. So, all you know, the preseason rankings come out, and this team's number five in the country. But, you know, <laughs> there had had we known that they wouldn't have all of these pieces back, they wouldn't be there. And it takes a week or two to kind of ferret out the teams that got a little bit overhyped because of that uh, club um, high school dynamic yeah. or under. I mean, I do have teams every every year who, who you know, they were supposed to be a decent team, okay, fringe, regional rank, state rank type team, and all of a sudden, wow, you just got four academy kids back. Now all of a sudden they're a player, um, you know. So, you know, I have that little wrinkle to work with um, in the soccer front that uh, that unlike, uh, you know, your, your lacrosse teams are, are more, you know, more set. Um, uh, so that, that was uh, one of the topics. And um, uh, the other topic is just kind of letting the people um, slide up as the season, you know, ends. I, I look at it this way. I tell teams when they've, when they've finished their season early, They've made their bed. They're done. They can't improve or um, disprove their results. They're, you know, they're, they're done with what, what they've actually done. And um, quite often, some of the coaches kind of forget that even though their season is over, that there's still a month of high school sports left behind them. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I actually got that email last week from a coach whose team was number 11 in the country. Well, their season's over. And he's like, man, you know, I, I thought we were a top 10 team. Is there any chance we're going to end up in the top 10? And I said, well, absolutely. And, you know, he was kind of perplexed by the, my, my, and I said, because if you knew anything about the 10 teams in front of you, two of them, or five of the 10 teams are from two different states, and they're all in the same classification. Yeah. So I said, at the very worst, or at the very least, rather, three of those teams have to lose. Yeah. You know, I said, you can take your number 11 and guarantee that it's, at, it's going to be at worst eight. You just, you know, you guys have made your bed. You just need to let everybody else make theirs. Yeah. And, and you know, people kind of check out when they think, when their season's over, thinking that's the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you, you know, I'm in the same situation. Teams, you know, from lesser um, talented soccer states, or teams that just maybe are good but not uh, deserving to be in that great status. You know, you know, when their when their final game is played, you know, they've got a ranking. But over the next, you know, two, three, four weeks, they're going to just slowly inch up as other people play their way out. Yeah, and that's just, you know, and that's. That to me is the best solution, the most fair solution. I've actually had a team or two back into number one that way. You know, when they when their season ended, you know, they were on the early end. They finished number three, and then they just had to wait to see what happened around the country. Yeah. You know? So um, I think that helps validate the rankings because you know there would be some people who would just automatically put them at number one. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, there's another team from a better state against you know better competition goes undefeated or whatever. And they're left scratching their head going, Oh man, I, I, I wish, you know, I wish I would have had them number one or you do something like the NSCAA and baseball America have done. They have actually flip flopped their number one teams after the teams were finished. Yeah. 
So, you know, two teams are done. They're ranked one and two. And then a week or two weeks later, when the next ranking comes out, they get flip-flopped. And, I mean, that's, you know, that to me is something I'll never do because that's just jerking kids around. I mean, you know, if you if you thought they were good enough to be number one, then you better have done your homework to, you know, make sure that that's where they needed to be. Yeah, that's you definitely know, you pull, pull that away. done and be like, oh, you know what? You know, I mean, it was basically saying we've been wrong all year. It's kind exactly. Of- that kind of says to me, it's like, and I mean, I, I've actually seen that a little bit this year um, in some of the cross rankings is like Darian out of Connecticut. Like they have, I think, a 46 game winning streak at this point. I think they're winning today. Um, they were when I checked a little bit ago. But I mean, they're, you know, obviously, you know, you know that program. And um, oh, yeah. it's just one of those things like, you know, I, I kind of feel like the connect, like they go down, they they play like uh, Niskiana out of New York and they play some of, you know, obviously they play. You can play a lot of the big teams in their state and they go down to New York, but they don't really ever play like um, the MIAA and stuff like that. Although New Canaan did come down. So I think they at least have a common opponent. So you can kind of compare, but I almost felt like they got flip flopped around a little bit this year. And they're not number one. Landon is going to win number one at this point. Cause they finished undefeated. Um, and I think they have a pretty good argument for the number one team in the nation, but it's always interesting to see when I, they, when I see teams, I saw early in the year, I saw some teams get leapfrogged. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is that early season or mid-season course correction yeah. Um, yeah. from different people and be like, oh, you know, some of these teams weren't as good as we thought or this team was better than we thought kind of deal. So because, I mean, Dell Barton out of New Jersey, they got leapfrogged quite a bit this year. And now they finally started to move up in the last few weeks. But it was for a number of weeks. Like they were stuck at number 19. And it's like they kept winning, but they kept staying at number 19. <laughs> but, you know, there was yeah. always. There was a new 18, 17, and 16 about every week at that point here. And I'm like, man, I was like, I don't know what else Dale Barton's going to have to do. It's like you win and they just stick and everybody else, you know, just jumps. And then slowly but surely, a lot of those teams have since moved behind them and they've moved up. So I'm like, all right, you know, I guess everybody was just trying to figure them out early in the year. But, you know, it's 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 interesting to me now that it, since I do the consensus rankings rather than kind of doing my own to see – how it kind of plays out and how other people do it. And then seeing how it all kind of plays out when you put everybody together and you uh, just kind of say, I'm going to give everybody points. And now I'm going to see over the course of these five polls, who, where does everybody actually rank? And I think it's a more, I I found it to be, it's like, it's fair. Um, You know, I'm still not sure if it would be quote unquote, right. But I'm like, I think it's fair. You think you get a broader picture of, you know, which one, because I mean, there's so many rankings and there always has been, and you know, part of it's fun because you get to have the debate, but part of it's like, well, which is really right, which yeah. brings me to one of my other questions is, you know, when you're looking at, um, and I will just stick with the MIAA since that's kind of in your backyard, like when you're looking at a conference like the MIAA, who for lacrosse, a lot of people consider the, the best conference in the nation. So a lot of those teams usually basically get the, the weight of that credited, like they get that right. credit, like. All right, McDonough's the number one team in the or you know, well actually we'll stick with the current way it is now. Calvert Hall is the number one seed and the number one team in the nation, so they get the credit for that. Um, but you know, I, I've had a conversation with a couple people lately saying you know maybe the the private school leagues like the Deerfields um, or you know that might actually be the better league this year. The NEP, yeah, NEPs, you, New England Prep, yeah. To, and I know you know. 
that's prep school and it's five five year players, which you know some of the rankings do rank them. I think most of the rankings for lacrosse now rank those among the regular high school. That's why I'm going to bring it up rather than I know we always kind of kept them separate since they're yeah. a little bit separate. I'm using the fifth years, but you know, how do you kind of resolve issues like that where it's like, you know, maybe not those two conferences exactly, but you know, a similar situation where you, know, you get two power conferences, but they never play each other. Um, well, to be honest, there's not too many quote power conferences in the soccer world. The MIAA would certainly qualify on the boys side, the St. Louis Metro, but they, there, the, the, there is enough, crossover thanks to like the gateway tournament that there's some team from the east coast that goes out to gateway to play some of the st louis schools who at the same time may have mixed it up against you know gonzaga and the wcac who gonzaga had crossed over to play miaa i mean i'm still able to draw some lines um it may be with a pencil (laughs) you know not might be real you know strong or hard but um usually I don't have too many of them. Um, as you alluded to, we don't include the prep schools and, and what we identify as prep schools, um, you know, just to be clear with this, uh, we, we consider schools that allow postgraduates um, as, as our quote prep school, even though there are just legitimate high schools with the name prep in it. Um, you know, so I'm making a distinction here. So if a, a school is, is a traditional high school, nine to 12, and they don't have uh, guys who have um, graduated and then, you know, come back, we put them in a separate ranking. In part, and it really isn't the, the post-grad that's really the, the problem, so, per se, for keeping that fair. Uh, for us, it's the internationals. The, um, and obviously, this is something that wouldn't affect <laughs> the lacrosse game right. uh, that much. Um, the we have so many of the prep schools that you know you're talking about Deerfield you know I'll come back with you know uh, South Kent School or Berkshire or you know some of the other schools that are up there that are soccer schools um, and you know they have a large 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 percentage of their star slash starting players on their soccer teams are international players be from you know, Europe or Africa um, that come over I mean there's entire programs called like the Right to Dream Academy that just bring kids over by the do- by the dozens to place them in these schools. Um, so therefore, you know, we're not even sure what real age they are, <laughs> you know. Um, so at, at the end of the day, um, we we made a decision to to keep them separate, and and it's worked out um, because we we have a top ten for the prep schools, and we have a top you know fifty for for the regular high schools. And no one seems to mind that they're not intertwined. I know when you're doing your consolidated rankings, um, you know, you, you've got the added issues of, you know, do, do you include them or exclude them? How about the Canadian schools? Do you include or exclude, you know, Hill and some of the programs you're, you know, you come in contact with? Um, and, <clears throat> you know, that, that kind of, you know, gets into that, you know, conversation for you that I don't need to have. Um, right. In fact, the team that um, uh, finished number one in our prep schools this year actually lost to the team that finished number five in our high school rankings this year. Um, it, it was, and I was actually at the game. It was a fluke result. I mean, you really shouldn't have played out that way. But, hey, the result is what the result is. You know? Yeah. 
Um, but I uh, don't know if I've really addressed your question there too well, but you know, we keep them separate um, mostly because of the clientele that they're pulling from. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I think you pretty well, you know, it, it covered it as best as you can. Cause I don't think, I don't, I think it's a, it's a difficult question to answer to begin with when you don't get a lot of interplay. But I mean, I think overall the philosophies still kind of help us dictate where that's going to kind of, where those teams are going to play out regardless of conference. Um, well, I'm actually, it's, it's interesting. We, I'm seeing more interplay now between the quote prep schools and um, your traditional high schools yeah. than ever before. And part of it has just simply come down to an issue of competition. Some state associations um, allow it. Some associations uh, obviously disallow it, but some associations have it like a modified view. Like um, you can place South Kent school as long as they don't play their post-grads in that game. Right. Um, you know, there's there's little caveats like that, and because of that, um, what we're seeing is a lot more interplay. In part because while there's about four or five really really fantastic um, prep school teams, they don't have enough competition for a 20 game schedule. Mm-hmm. So you know, th- th- so it, it, it's actually in their best interest to maybe come down and play some WCAC teams on a weekend trip um, because, A, the WAC, WCAC allows it, which is the D.C. area, um, you know, uh, private school league. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, they allow it. Plus, you know, teams from that prep environment are looking for that competition. And, you know, so I'm, 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 I get more um, calls every year from schools wanting that level of competition. Uh, you know, one thing that's happened in my sport is because so many kids have t- been taken out because of the development academy, mm-hmm. um, the number of truly high-quality programs is is significantly thinner than it used to be. Um, the gap between great and good is now measurable in goals in many cases. Yeah. And what has happened is it's difficult even for the traditional high schools who are powerhouses to find a competitive schedule without some type of crossover, be that with uh, prep schools, be that as, you know, traveling to tournaments, because otherwise they just sit at home and whack everybody six, seven, eight, nothing until they get to the playoffs and actually have to play, you know, some step up games. But, you know, so, and, and I've been in the middle of that. I mean, since I've been doing this so long and I know so many coaches and vice versa, um, so many coaches have reached out to me to help um, orchestrate, uh, you know, matchups between teams or, you know, make the initial contact between between two coaches so they can then work out some non-league games or tournament invitations or whatever to, to allow this to happen. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, well, and I was going to say, I mean, you know, the one last thing on that is, once again, since – since there's a fall season, a winter season, and a spring season, a lot of it's geogra- you know, ge- geographically based. So, right. you know, like the southeast is spring and, and, you know, the traditional I-95 is in the fall and California and Texas is in the winter. So those people start to create their own tournaments. And while you don't have as many crossover games because you've got everybody playing at one time, 
I have a lot of crossover games within each of those seasons that help out my rankings immensely. Yeah. Um, I wanted to circle back to one thing just to kind of wrap up because I think the one, the only year that's ever really haunted me as far as like, not my number one team, but how the rankings ended up falling out was 2013 and uh, Loyola out of the, again, the MIAA, um, they lost their last three games of the regular season. They entered the playoffs with a 10 and eight. Um, and Amy, you know, they lost to St. Mary's McDonough, St. Paul's Gilman boys, Latin and Calvert hall um, in the conference. So like they were one of those teams, like you didn't think that they were, you know, they were like, Oh, they're one and done. Well, they ended up making the championship game against a 19, no boys, Latin team. And I, I, I'm sure I talked with this about you because or with, I was doing the U S lacrosse rankings uh, that year. And this one drove me up a wall because I mean, I mean, there was nobody that didn't think Boys Latin was gonna run the table. I mean, they they were the favorite. They were number one to start the year. They were nineteen and zero. Like they were the number one team in the country. Um, and then Loyola came back in the second half and ended up winning that game ten to nine. And yeah, how do you that? yeah I, I remember being up late trying to think like, oh man, like kind of like what I almost described, like the Haverford scenario that had haunted me like a couple years before kind of came back. And now I'm like, well, now it's real. Like they didn't, the the number one team didn't win. And, uh, you know, it was one of those like, I have to rank Loyola ahead of boys Latin based on the one game. Because, you know, like you said, it's it's the hardware test. Like, Loyola goes down. Like, I can't have boys Latin ranked ahead of Loyola because Loyola goes into the record books as the MIAA champion. So that was yeah. one of the situations where I was just like, you know, it's like, oh, man. like, And I, I forget who I ended up going. Uh, like, Loyola didn't finish the number one team in the nation. I forget who it was. It might have been Haverford School. Um, I think it was Haverford that year. I think, they ended up, I think they ended up taking number one because of that game. But, right. Um, I think I had Loyola like at two or three and obviously I had boys Latin right behind them. It was like, you know, they weren't going to, they weren't going to tumble too far, but it's almost one of those, like, did they, it, that one, that one was tough. And I think that one still kind of haunts me because of the result, but it's just like, you know, I, I feel good about it because I'm like, well, I think the logic holds still, but it's just one of those. I'm like, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> it's that, that was a tough one. That was a tough year. Yeah, well, and it, it certainly happens, you know, occasionally to me where a team gets hot at the right time and you're just simply not, like you say, you were expecting them to be one and done. Next thing you know, they're, they've got the trophy. Um, but I think, you know, a couple things to keep in mind in a, in a broader ranking perspective is really what what are the rankings about? And, you know, at, at the end of the day, I've always believed that um, the high school rankings were, were kind of doing two things. Um, first and foremost, promoting the sport. It was giving some average, um, some some heightened element to some of the matchups to kind of make people sit up and take, um, you know, more interest in what, you know, whatever sport is being ranked, you know, like, hey, the math is football team. Wow, they're number five in the country. You know, maybe we want to see that or maybe we want to watch them on ESPN. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to create some some excitement for your for your sport. Um, and number two, obviously at the end, you, you have to be um, honest to the results. And like you say, you know, okay, you had BL up there all year. They were certainly deserving. They, you know, everyone expected them to run the table and it would have been a case closed. But, you know, they ended up not winning. But, hey, you did achieve the excitement for the year for them. It just they ended up not being able to deliver in that final game to, to bring it home. And, uh, you know, 
that's one of the unfortunate parts of sports sometimes. Not always the best team wins, and, and from a ranking standpoint, we still need to honor you know, who's got the trophy.